if you were to own an NFT in that collection, you would also be a co-owner in a casino, in a Web 2 and a Web 3 um, based casino. And so you actually get a piece of the profits from that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bees for Business podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Nick Trans. Thanks for joining us today, Nick. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into investing? Hey, how's it going? Um, really happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, so my investing journey started in 2011. Um, that's pretty much when my personal finance journey started. I was in a ton of debt when I was in the military and um, I realized I had to turn my life around. So I started looking up uh, financial literacy, you know, tips and stuff like that. So it wasn't until 2014 is when I really started getting into investing, investing. I started buying, you know, simple mutual funds, things like that, really slow growth type things because I wasn't really um, in, open to risky investments. So I kind of let that run until about 2016 when uh, Pokemon Go craze happened. And so everyone was hopping on Nintendo stocks. And so I did the same thing. I FOMO'd into Nintendo and then I panic sold at a loss. So, <laughs> oh, no. so that was my first investing like newbie mistake in 2016. So I didn't really mess with stocks until about, I think 2019, I got back into stocks and um, I was probably up about 40 grand. And then in 2020, I actually sold that portfolio so that I could buy real estate. I think one of you guys did something similar for like uh, repairs on the house or something like that, like renovations, yeah. right? Yeah, you do a lot of real estate. Yeah. So I, I really got into real estate in 2020 and uh, ended up buying six houses in 2020. Uh, they're all cash flowing. And, and then I got back into stocks, then crypto at the end of 2020. And everything's just been really crazy since then, um, as I'm sure you all know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I, I dabble in a little bit of a little bit of everything now. So I got crypto, stocks, real estate, um, NFTs now, which is pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. So that's that's pretty much my experience in a nutshell right there. Yeah, that's cool. It seems like you scaled up really quickly. Like you went from investing in some safe stuff to really going all out into just like everything crypto, some of the more riskier assets. Right, exactly. And cool. in between that time frame, all I did was just save. Like we probably saved between my wife and I, um, we probably saved about $650,000 just cash, just wow. chilling. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's kind of how what how how we even was able to make those investment choices. Right. And it seems like it paid off because you're officially retired, right? Yes, I am. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? How did you? Yeah, sure. Like, when did you jump into that? How confident were you like in quitting your job or whatever you were doing at the time to jump right in? Yeah. So I think it was about uh, 2019. 2019 was when I really first started hearing about it. Uh, you start looking at these blogs and even Reddit. I think there was like a fire um, subreddit that I came across and a bunch of other YouTubers were talking about it. And so I started looking into it myself, you know, so fire means, you know, financial independence, retire early. So I thought this idea was like really cool because it started opening up this possibility of, I don't have to work until I'm 65. Mm -hmm. You know what everybody thought that was the American dream for the longest time ever. So I started really digging into it, started learning about um, like savings rates, things like that and how much, passive income you need. So that's really how I learned about the fire movement. And that kind of motivated me to try to achieve it as fast as possible. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I got into it. 
Yeah, that's really cool. We kind of did like a similar thing. Like I think all of us like found out about financial independence, retire early, the fire movement uh, a couple of years ago. So we've all kind of been on that journey. And like I even have gone through and like done the calculation. This is how much how much my expenses are. So I got to start making this much from passive income mm. to get there. So like we're working through it now. Um, hope to be where you're at soon. Yeah, thanks. I think I think I'm like almost 10 years older than you guys, too, if, if I remember correctly in your in, in one of your uh, episodes. So I'm, I'm yeah. uh, 30. I'm turning 33 this year. Yeah, that's still that's oh. like amazing that you're not 10 years older. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, you're okay. only only six years older. Okay, six. Old. Okay, good. Um, so <laughs> so not much older. Um, yeah, but, still young. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good, good. That's awesome. Like, it's amazing how you were able to achieve it at such a young age. Um, yeah. 30 years younger than most people are going to be able yeah. to retire. So. Right. Um, I have a quick question. So I love asking uh, people who want to retire early this. Uh, a lot of people ask, what is your why? So for us, um, we all have different things. Like maybe we just hate our job. Maybe mm -hmm. we have more time to travel, never have to worry about money. Do you have a why that you like thought one day like, hey, this is why I want to be able to retire early? Yeah, that's actually um, a really good question because um, I actually wrote this down. Uh, so it kind of goes along with like the advice for people out there listening. It all starts with the why, just like you said. Um, but my reasoning actually evolved over the, the 10 year time period that, that I was on this, you know, personal finance journey of mine. So at first it started with debt. So I was in a ton of debt. And so my original why was like, I just want to get out of debt. I hate owing people. Um, I want to be in control of my finances. And then eventually I just wanted to focus on saving. Then I learned about investing. Then I wanted to be rich slash wealthy. And then now my true why is for my family. So, you know, I have two young boys and I want them to grow up and have a better life than I did when I was growing up. Um, I didn't have a horrible life, but, you know, I always saw that my dad was working all the time and he was working really hard um, kind of to make ends meet. And so I want them to not only be good in the future i want them to also learn what i wish i had learned when i was a kid so part of that is like generational wealth wealth preservation just passing on the legacy really so that's kind of my why is is it's bigger than myself you know it's the future generations um, i want to be successful and taken care of because of something i did today yeah that's really cool i think it's important for everyone's um like why to kind of evolve over time because it's never going to be the same when you start as when you get to the point where you can retire. I think it's good to just always be updating it, always change and just have a really strong reason for why you want to get there. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I heard one thing you mentioned was the first thing was to get out of debt. Um, so just curious, are you completely out of debt now? Do you follow like the, you don't want to have any debt kind of mindset or do you take debt on like your real estate properties or things like that? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So there's good debt and bad debt. So I, I right. completely avoid bad debt. I, I've been bad debt free since 2012. Um, you know, I pay off my credit cards in full. Um, I don't I don't take on personal loans. I, I did take out a, a. What is it? I borrowed against my stock portfolio to buy other assets. So I, I don't really oh, so I, you I don't really count that. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Like I, I didn't use it to like buy a car or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very smart. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I do have, I do have. A, I think it's like one point one million in uh, mortgage debt. Um, but yeah. you know, it's they're all cash flowing assets. So yeah, so it's it's yeah, good right debt, quote unquote. Point, real estate wise as well, mm -hmm. um, with mortgage debt, but it's good debt. So yeah. 
it's cash flowing. It's making you money, not losing you money. Exactly. Now I have a question. So is most of your real estate is it in Japan or the United States or do you have it kind of diversified? No, I actually, um, I actually bought a bunch of houses in the Midwest. So Indiana, I bought six houses in Indiana um, just because we did, we did the market research and we wanted to make sure. So I'm originally from California and I wanted to make sure that we get more bang for our buck. And so there was no way I was going to get a house in California. I, I probably would have yeah. not <laughs> yeah. even been able to afford a house yeah. um, in California with that money. So uh, we made it stretch in Indiana in the Midwest. And of course we did market research and ran all the numbers. I know, I know you guys know about, you know, cash on cash return and how to, how to analyze rental property. So I did that for, for probably three to six months before I even made my first offer. So really just a big part of it was learning. Yeah. And it sounds like you jumped in really quick with six properties the first year you did it. Yeah. Um, I, I awesome. felt like I needed to make up for lost time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're still so young. You keep saying lost time. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you're really rolling already. Um, how do you just curious, um, real estate wise, long distance, ours are all really local, the properties we own. So mm -hmm. we kind of do the managing of them ourselves. Um, how do you do that from halfway around the globe? You got a property management company, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. So it all started with the real estate uh, agent. So I interviewed probably a dozen of them um, to make sure that they they had the same goals as me, which is to be an investor, like to have that investor mindset and not just someone who's commission hungry. So I found one in Indiana um, and he pretty much gave me the rundown. It was crazy. Like he he kind of sensed that I was also hungry for it in a, in an investor standpoint. So he pretty much gave me all his contacts. And of course, the contacts, you, you can kind of swap out with whoever you want to. But really, he already had a team. He already had a team built. And I pretty much just used it. I used his same team. So the real estate attorney, property management company, contractors, uh, a mortgage broker. I used all the same people from his contacts. And it was really easy because they all knew how, they all knew how to work together. They were all comfortable working together anyways. And so that's kind of how I was able to, to achieve that from pretty much my couch in Japan. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. Have you ever actually seen the properties? No, never. So I actually, uh, <laughs> I just, I just reimbursed my realtor, uh, gas. He can go and like video record the properties and send it to me. Yeah. That's really cool. That's awesome. I, uh, yeah. I read a real estate book one time. I, it was by David Green, I think. He's a big real estate mm -hmm. investor. Um, and he talked about his like core four and how to find them. And I think it's essentially what you just did there, which is like amazing. You find like that one person at a long distance who's going to be able to kind of connect you with everyone else on the team that you need. Um, and just finding that one like dynamite person is essential. And mm -hmm. yeah, it sounds like you did a really good job doing it. Like you interviewed, I think you said 12 people. That, that's really smart because a lot of people just go out and grab like the first agent they can find um us included and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, but ours actually ended up turning out to be really good but we were kind of ignorant in that like we didn't really know much so we just grabbed the first agent and it turned out to work okay um but a lot of people think all real estate agents are the same like all they do is like show you the house and then do the paperwork for you but there is a big difference um and it sounds like you understood that and really capitalized on finding a good one mm, absolutely and i always say you know why reinvent the wheel if he already has a team built if your realtor already has a team in place yeah 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 i think we said about having a team in place is so important to have a good relationship and that way it's a positive sum game and everyone can kind of you know get in on the action and, and win in some way yeah it's exactly win, win win all around agent gets a commission you get the property contractors get a bunch of work yeah nice
Exactly. All right. Uh, what else do you guys want to talk about? I know, I know you're big into like crypto and NFTs right now, right? You yes. That's kind of, and like, that's a, it's a much more risky asset than like the mutual funds you were doing in the beginning. So I'd really love to talk about those if, if you're open to it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. What, open to what it. kind of uh, NFTs do you currently have? Uh, so I have, um, so the first collection that I bought from was called gambling apes. Um, I have three gambling apes and that was really cool because their their model and their roadmap included if you were to own an NFT in that collection, you would also be a co-owner in a casino, in a Web 2 and a Web 3 um, based casino. And so you actually get a piece of the profits from that. And I've, I've already actually posted some of the um, some of the passive gains I've gotten from that already. So you, it's kind of just generating passive income at this point. And it's just really cool because NFTs have that possibility of just a ton of different benefits um also have real estate or virtual real estate in decentraland and sandbox oh that's um, good yeah and then my best performing one right now is the mutant ape yacht club i have a mutant ape oh yacht yeah club, yeah NFT. I have that. that's really cool yeah yeah I, it's insane <laughs> i've like been open to like i've said it on the podcast too like the nft art like it still doesn't really grip me um mm-hmm. fully but the ones that have utility like ex- for example the thing you just talked about where it gives you passive income and stuff i think that's like really cool and that technology is great and it's going to be here for a while um i i just think it's really cool yeah i agree i think the u- future utilities that they can have in all different worlds like the real estate world mm-hmm. um, just pictures like that like the virtual real estate world um i've heard i don't know if you've heard about like the music industry Yes. with that mm-hmm. i think all that's really cool yeah. yeah i think it was was it tory lanes someone i there was some rapper i think it was tory lanes did a album as an nft and it right. sold out yeah. in like a minute yeah yeah and I, I also think too the creator behind the nft is really important if it's someone who's kind of just doing it for fun and like okay i just want to create an nft project but if there's someone doing it to create utility and create value in the world then that's a project you probably want to get into and explore yeah yeah i agree it's it's been really cool i've I, that's the main thing I look for is utility for sure. Um, I'm not really, and I see it as like an investment also. Yeah. So I, I try to see how I can essentially make money off of these investments um, through the, through the different methods that I actually posted recently on my Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, let's talk about crypto a little bit. Um, what, sorry, did you want to say something? I, I was, yeah, I, I was going to talk about <laughs> sorry, crypto sorry. too, not ApeCoin. I know that recently um, was listed yes. on Coinbase, and actually, I, I've seen that you it looks like you uh, purchased some of that, and you're kind of in on that right now. Yeah, so I I also I purchased some um, when it was listed when it went live on Gemini, but mm-hmm. also I found out that uh, you know Board Eight Yacht Club and Mutant Yacht Club holders could claim some um, as as a holder. So I was able to claim some when it went live, and I I actually was able to claim two thousand eight coins. Um, which is wow. currently valued at twenty three thousand dollars, which wow. is insane, wow. and that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, that's really just cool. insane. Yeah, and at one time I think it like shot up to like thirty nine dollars, right? Something like that. Imagine that. Crazy. It, uh, yeah, it's amazing to me how quickly, like it seems like almost day to day, like week to week, like financial, just like ways you can invest are changing so fast right now. Um, yeah, like I don't know what not two years ago i feel like nfts were not talked about at all but now they're everywhere um it seems like new things like apecoin um like the board apes like all that stuff is coming out every week there's just something new and it's just really cool to be a part of and it 
it's been around for a little while now, but it still feels so early yeah. with mm-hmm. like, technology. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's really good to adapt. Like you did, like I know you mentioned, you started with index funds, kind of, you know, safe, taking it slow. And now you're right. kind of diversifying to crypto, NFTs, and, you know, you're, you're open-minded and able to get in these assets. So I think that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's important for everyone to have kind of just like a good financial foundation before they get into the riskier stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true, like what they say, you always want to protect your principal and then and then play with the interest. So I always keep the the principal investments in any risky um, thing on hardware wallet or something like that. It's something that I can't touch, you know, so everything outside of that is just play money. Yeah, uh, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> One thing you mentioned like a while ago was the you panic sold like the Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Nintendo. <laughs> I, I have such a hard time. Uh, when I invest in stocks, like not panic selling and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm like very disciplined about it now, but when I first started, I had a very hard time as well. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it's, I was like, all right, Joe, tell to... me when you're going to sell so I can buy. Cause I know that's the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember hearing that in one of your other episodes. That was yeah. really funny. <laughs> Just do the opposite. <laughs> Just do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you bought that? I'm going to take a short position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's funny. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Uh, I think. I think the more experience you get in investing, the the more you start kind of desensitizing yourself to like the news and the noise and everything like that. And so um, while it used to affect me significantly back then, now when I see all this red and stuff, I don't really panic because it's like everything is, is fine. You know, I have other sources of income if, if things were to go south. Um, yeah. I also have contingency plans and, you know, it's just you just got to be able to, to adjust and pivot. Um, at any given time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important to stay diversified like you are. So if one asset, let's say crypto just crashes, you still have your real estate or if the real estate market is just doing terrible. You got index funds, NFTs, you got everything. So um, that's great. Um, Have you ever considered a point that maybe you can scale back the risky investments now that you're like financially free? Could you get to the point where you just, kind of coast or do you plan on continuing to invest um i think so my buddy uh financialism he he runs a um, instagram account and he posted something recently that said it's pretty much like you're always hungry like even you're you're never satisfied right you know when you when you make a thousand dollars passive income you still feel like you're a thousand dollars short you know when you have when you have an hour of free time you still feel an hour short so I think that's kind of the same mindset with me because I don't want to become complacent. If you become complacent and you feel like you get comfortable, that, that's when you're setting yourself up for failure, I, I, I feel like. So um, I'm always looking for new investment opportunities, risky or not. Um, I'm always looking for the, the, next, the next big thing to, to kind of invest in because I feel like I'm at that point where I do have some disposable income where I can make these kind of riskier choices. But at the same time, I'm also... Uh, doing safe things that will preserve my wealth um, if other things go south you know yeah yeah and i feel like a lot of people like us who are trying to get to financial freedom and you who already got to financial uh freedom are just so like passionate about what we do and so like hungry and have a lot of drive that if we got to that point and just stopped and went and sat on a beach somewhere i i know i would get seriously very bored like yeah. <laughs> I I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Right. I I didn't mm-hmm. like enjoy it for like a week maybe, like a vacation. <laughs> but then I, then right. I'd be like, I gotta do something. Yeah, 
Yeah, I know when I tell a lot of people, okay, you know, I want to retire early, like, oh, why? You just want to sit around and do nothing? I'm like, no, no, I just want to have the freedom to do what I want. I want to, I'll still do the things I'm mm-hmm. doing now. I'll just do them whenever I want and how much I want. So it's just having that freedom that's huge. Because yeah. true wealth really is freedom. That, that's what it is. Right. In my eyes. Yeah. And to, freedom is huge. Yeah. I, I guess to add to that, um, I did experience that when I separated from the military in 2014. Um, there was about a six month time frame where, um, I did whatever I wanted, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't work. Um, I actually went fishing with my dad like every weekend and it was, it was really fun. It was super peaceful. You know, it was like yeah. bringing a tear to my eye. I was like, Oh, I really don't have to wake up and do PT or, you know, physical training. And, uh, no one's yelling at me. I don't have to do crappy maintenance work. Uh, I, I was in the air force. I was a mechanic in the air force. And, uh, I did that for about six months and I was like, Oh, this is, this is, I can't do this. Like I need purpose. And right. so that's kind of how I feel. Um, even to this day, like I can't just sit here and do nothing. You know, I, I need to be constantly building and adding to the portfolio. Um, actually, if we talk, I know we're going to eventually get to new opportunities, but I'm currently in the process of trying to find an online business that's already cash flowing and trying to acquire that and then optimize it. Um, hopefully scale it up. That'd be cool. We should definitely talk about that. Um, I know Tyler's like really into business. Um, I, I don't have any businesses of my own, but I would like to get there someday too. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what what type of uh, business are you looking to? Like a, like a software company, um, maybe a consumer product? Do you have any uh, ideas like that? Yeah. So I'm actually uh, I'm verified to buy things on Empire Flippers right now. It's a it's a brokerage website that um, you can kind of buy and sell online businesses. So I kind of set up a filter to show businesses that generate income either through e-commerce or uh, display advertising or affiliate marketing, things like that. So I'm kind of looking for something with, I guess, a little bit more passive, um, like cash flow, like not really dealing with inventory, maybe some kind of a drop shipping model instead of like Amazon FBA. I, I was interested in Amazon FBA at first, but I just realized like it was just too much work and then you have to buy the inventory. It, it's just... I don't know. I, I know a lot of people are very successful with it, but it's just not something I'm looking for. So right. I guess to answer your question, I'm looking for something that's like more passive in nature if I wanted it to be. But of course, if you want to scale it up, you're going to have to hire on people, experts, and right. then put in money, put in the work, run ads, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot that goes into businesses, but there are some good um, like under market value businesses you can come in and purchase and that way you get some nice cash flow. It may not be like, you know, 20,000 a month, but it could be a couple mm-hmm. thousand a month, you know, gets you to a good point. Yeah, definitely something I'm interested in for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so you're looking to like buy a business that's already set up completely passive, like already has employees or like the e-commerce stuff in place, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about business, so... Um, or like buying businesses. So I feel like that's got to be a lot of upfront work, but it seems like it would be pretty passive Mm -hmm. once you're through that part, right? Once you've acquired it. Yeah. So you could even, um, you could even try to look for like distressed websites and then buy that Mm -hmm. and then look for ways to optimize it and and eventually scale it up. I've listened to a lot of podcasts and uh, interviews of other people who have successfully done that. Um, and so that's kind of something that I, I'm, I might be doing. Right. Yes. I think the tough thing I would have like with doing that personally is I'd end up going in there and you end up doing so much work that it like gives yourself another <laughs> job. You yeah. gotta like make sure that yeah. you work yeah. on the business, not in it at that point. 
um, because you don't want to end up with basically another 40-hour week job or more. <laughs> right. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Got to be careful about that. And I know a way around that you can find a product that's already built once and is able to sell, you know, uh, an inf- infinite amount of times. Rather than having a product, you have to take inventory, you have to you know, get labels right. and stuff. You have maybe a software service where that product was already coded, it's built, and you can just sell it to anyone, anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. And it like just- evergreen product. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm still in the process of doing that, and uh, hopefully I'll I'll update the the Instagram and and hopefully I, I acquire something here in the near future. Yeah. And for the listeners, uh, what is your Instagram? Just so they can now know where to follow you. Yeah. Absolutely. It's uh it's at new money underscore Nick. So it's spelled N U M O N E Y underscore N I Q. I gotta ask how you came up with that name. Cause I've, I've, I've <laughs> yeah. Started following you. yeah, sure. So, um, so new, new money, it's just kind of like a play on like N E W except I just put N U. Um, I, I didn't want it. I wanted it to be a little bit more original than just new money. So the new money comes from the, the fact that a lot of my wealth was built pretty much on my own. You know, I didn't, I didn't inherit anything at all. Um, so moving forward the wealth is going to be built from me so that's where that's where the new money part comes in and then nick is just a play on uh words on my name so so my name is n-i-c-k nick but uh the n-i-q i felt like was just i could just shorten it down and just kind of it just looks weird so i i just wanted to be different i guess yeah i like that i like the whole uh story behind it i was just really curious i had always wondered and you have some good content there on instagram so yeah oh thanks i appreciate it (laughs) um i i have a question so in like if you don't want to get too personal don't um but you said you have kids right so i was just wondering like i don't know how old they are but do you try to get them involved anyway i if they're not too young yeah so uh, i have a four-year-old and a two-year-old um so i i we have so my wife and i have started teaching the older one uh and even the younger one the concept of budgeting uh, which is really cool to kind of see them figure it out so so last Christmas recently, um, we took them to a secondhand toy store uh, and, you know, everything's cheap, things like that. But we gave them a thousand yen um, budget, which is about ten dollars, ten USD. Okay. I'm glad so you clarified that. Get- <laughs> I was not No, but it's like ten bucks each. And we kind of explained to them, like, hey, here's a basket. Here's your budget you know, you're going to have to swap things out if it's too expensive. And so we kind of tell them that. And instead of them freaking out and throwing a fit, which they normally would um, at home, at that store, they, they understood that if they got two expensive things, they would have to swap it out for cheaper things. Um, and they understood that. And it was, just, it was just really cool seeing them try to figure that out. And so we, we, we've done that, I think, twice since then. And every time they've come up under budget, which is crazy. That's- and then I... Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool because i it sounds like you're gonna have like generational wealth that you'll probably be able to pass down to them and it sounds like you're teaching them the good fundamentals because i see posts all the time where i think the by like the third generation people who have made like generational wealth that generation loses it because the parents didn't properly teach their kids about finances um and they kind of just like handed them the money and was like here it's yours now um so i think it's great that you're doing that. That's awesome. That's a really cool thing. I'm, I don't have kids yet, but I'm definitely going to steal that when I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, yeah. I like how practical that is too. 
you know, you, you can just easily do that. You said it only takes ten dollars. Yeah, they're, they're not understanding mm-hmm. the the lesson, you know, entirely. But eventually, they'll you know understand like, oh wow, I did this as a kid, and this allowed me to get to this point. And you know, they'll be very right. Good, I'm sure. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we try to make it fun. It's it's been cool. Right. Yeah, it's definitely fun for you, I'm sure, too, right? Getting to do mm-hmm. that with your kids, like, that's awesome. This episode of B is for Business is sponsored by Ty's Coffee. Are you looking for delicious-tasting coffee to get you through the morning? Fresh from fair trade farms in South America, Ty's Coffee is 100% USDA-certified organic and packaged in compostable and renewable bags with biostone labeling. Go to Ty'sCoffee.com to place an order of sustainable coffee today. That's Ty's Coffee, T-Y-S-C-O-F-F-E-E dot com. Ty's Coffee, great tasting and great for the environment. So I have a, I have a question. So um, obviously you achieved uh, you know, fire at a young age, um, but is there anything you would have done different? Um, and if that, like, do you have a piece of advice, like one piece of advice you give to people? Um, I guess throughout that process, um, the, the most I guess the most important thing that I could give to listeners is um, definitely know your worth because during my whole time in my, in my working life um, I was like killing myself for these companies, you know, like the, the military, I was, I was skipping lunches to, to try to, to try to work as hard as I could for these um, for these shops, you know, and, and then even in my civilian working life after I got out, I was like busting my butt at these jobs thinking that they were going to give me something that they were going to reward me with something. Um, like when the, when the hiring freeze happened back in, I think it was like 20, 2017, the, the first hiring freeze that they had, um, my whole office had left. And so I was the only one in my whole office, uh, as a, as a government worker, I was a GS employee and I was doing like work that was five grades above me pretty much running that place and everyone was like oh that's crazy i'm I'm so you know i'm so impressed like i'm I'm actually surprised that you didn't just quit you know like they they all kept saying that and then looking back i was like man i probably should have quit because they weren't like they weren't really rewarding me or compensating me they were just like paying me double time and that's it you know and um or like overtime they were just paying me overtime and you know they kept saying uh all these like they kept whispering all these sweet nothings and things like that. But I realized like I was sacrificing a ton of time, a ton of my own time for, for nothing essentially. And that was back when my, my first child was born and I was like, not, I was barely home because I was trying to run that, that office and working overtime and stuff. So I think that's my advice is like, just know your worth. And also like, don't, don't kill yourself over a job that is just going to replace you because they, Honestly, at the end of the day, they don't care. The only people that care about you is your own family and yourself, you know, and I've, I've pretty much did that with all of my jobs when I was, when I was uh, working. So I realized like, that's not the, that's not the, the way to do it. Like you can, there's a difference between going above and beyond and then like overdoing it, you know, so that's just yeah, my all, opinion on that. <laughs> yeah, it's all the more reason to get that financial independence. Really work hard for it, get there, and then you don't have to listen to anyone. You can do what you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I hope that made sense. I mean, that's kind of like the big thing that I that I realized after achieving fire. Yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. I know some people they live to work and they're working like eighty hours a week, 
And it's just, you know, crazy, but mm-hmm. most people should just work to live rather so they can have some, you know, free time and actually enjoy themselves. Right. And, and maybe build Elon something. Musk approach. Yeah. Don't take <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, sure. that's rare. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of pe- those people who do like work a ton um, and make great money, they, they just don't invest. So they, they live paycheck to paycheck, even though they're making a lot of money, they're just not investing it and they're not trying for that financial independence. So I think it's more, it's important that a lot of people like learn about financial independence and really try for it. Yeah. And once you understand it's possible, um, then it comes a lot easier and you know, you really enjoy doing it. And what almost looks like work to others can feel like play to you. And it really keeps motivating you and drives you to that next step, next level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. It's, it's crazy seeing like all these six figure earners, um, living paycheck to paycheck. And I, I know, I know some of them personally being from California. It's, it's insane. Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say we were in California actually on vacation a couple of weeks ago and I, the like real estate prices there, like even the price of just buying like food is a lot more expensive than it is here on the East coast. And gas was like, I think it was like close to $6. Yeah. It was almost yeah. $6. It was, it was literally like, I think it was like five fifty or something. And then the next day, like the next morning it was five seventy. Like it literally yeah. went up 20 cents, which is crazy it's, right now. Uh, but everything, crazy. yeah, in California is expensive. Yeah. yeah um, I, don't, I don't see myself ever moving back there. Yeah, I, I love it. Like it's it's like got great scenery. Like the beaches are awesome, um, but it's just so expensive right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a question because we've talked about like pretty much every asset, I feel like right now. <laughs> um, if you could pick one that's kind of, I guess, I guess kind of two questions. So one, like, what is your favorite asset to invest in? Like, which one do you enjoy investing in the most? And then which one do you think is going to perform the best over the next year? Um, so my favorite one right now, I, I would have to say crypto. Um, not, not that I've actually realized any of the, the gains or anything like that to, to actually live from, but I feel like it has a lot of potential moving forward. And I think crypto and NFTs go hand in hand. So it's kind of like, um, brother and sister, I feel like, but yeah. um, I do, I do have a lot. If you look into it and and kind of research the the data and the technology behind it, I I really feel confident in that um, in that space moving forward. Um, but as far as like safety net goes, I really like the real estate aspect of of investing because um, all of the cash flow I do get from the rental income, uh, of course, a lot of it goes into the business account, so that. So that it takes care of like capital ex- expenditures and things like that and maintenance and repairs. But a, also a big portion of it goes towards um, buying more index funds, buying more ETFs, um, buying more crypto to kind of keep that cycle of money going. Right. You, you always want to keep keep that cycle of money going and keep buying more money, buying more um, assets. And so that's kind of what I do with that. And I, I really enjoy doing that. Yeah, no, it's good. Let, let the money do the work for you. Exactly. Yeah, let what it compound. Just keep putting it back into the business. Yeah, th- that that answer your question. Or or Nick, you could buy a Ferrari. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I actually told my wife that I was like, I really <laughs> I really want a Lambo. Like I really want one, but I don't think I'll ever get one, um, yeah. unless I have like you know fu money. I was telling her the yeah. other day. <laughs> yeah. Or or I could have like enough cash flow to cover it. I think I would need like two to three thousand dollars extra cash flow to cover the payments or something like that yeah, <laughs> yeah i 
We talk about that on the podcast a lot. Like I, I drive an 01 Camry. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I could, I could That's buy right. like a nicer car. Like I really want a Tesla right now. Um, but mm-hmm. it's just not not worth it for me right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got to weigh the the pros and cons, opportunity costs, and things like that. And yeah. um, I always tell people that that are in my age group, you know, like my peers, things like that. They they're kind of getting started too, because because I feel like this whole fire thing, it's like kind of uh, uncommon. But now I like the fact that more people are kind of talking about it and it's getting more attention. So people are starting, especially in 2020, when it, when the pandemic happened, everyone started focusing on personal finances. Everyone started becoming more open to talking about it. It, it wasn't so taboo anymore. Um, and it's just crazy seeing that, that shift in mindset. Um, because if you compare your progress to the people in your age group, uh, chances are you're probably doing a lot better than like 90, 95% of them. Uh, j- just by just by knowing certain financial literacy, uh, uh, you know, points. Yeah. 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 And I think it's important. Um, I don't know about your parents, but a lot of uh, like people, our parents age did not talk about finances at all. Um, oh. Like, it's like a, kind of like a, you're not supposed to talk about it kind of thing. And I think now, like you said, it's great that people are waking up and talking more about it because it helps you know your worth. Um, mm-hmm. like if you're working the same job as someone and you never talk about how much money you make, you might be getting paid less than you should be, or, um, you might never understand a lot of these finance topics if you don't like learn and talk about it with others. So I think it's great that like the world seems to be moving in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest barrier to wealth isn't money. It's financial knowledge. And a lot of people, you know, yes. choose to maybe, Okay, I'm not going to worry about money until I'm, you know, 50, 60. I'll just kind of, you know, live life. But, you know, if you take a little time, it's, um, there's a lot of good information out there. And technology definitely does help us too. Like, imagine if we were all having this conversation, you know, 35, 40 years ago, we wouldn't be able to trade stocks and crypto. We would have to, like, you know, get a broker, call them up, and have to execute the trades. And we couldn't just pull Robinhood or Coinbase. Uh, we, we are definitely lucky to be, you know, where we are. Yeah, I don't think we could have even had this conversation 30 to 40 years ago. Yeah. Just on like this, like this easily yeah. and record at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I might have to reference, so you know. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually funny you brought that up that that back then you had to bring up, you had to get a broker involved and, you know, fill out actual physical papers to buy securities. But um, yeah. I actually was, so my, my wife's grandpa, um, he's, he's like, right across the street from us. So I, I help him do his finances and stuff. And I actually went through his files and found like old paper work and, <laughs> and st- like common stock documents and wow. certificates from, from like the seventies. It was insane. And like uh, how he used to buy stocks on paper. He had the original papers that he signed when, when he was uh, uh, young and it was just so crazy. Like I had, crazy. I, I went like full on financial nerd on that stuff. And I was like, I'm keeping this stuff. Yeah. That's <laughs> and, like really even cool. old brochures and stuff. It was insane, dude. That's yeah. really cool. Could you see like the stock prices in the seventies on those? Yeah. Yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah, to look up, like, if, yeah. Like what the return would be on those yeah. and stuff over that many years. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Awesome. I'll, I'll take a look at it again, but it's, it's crazy. He's pretty much kept all that stuff since the seventies. Yeah. I think that's really cool. And I think that just, was is a huge like breakthrough for me if i start trading stocks like that i won't panic so <laughs> because it's too difficult yeah. to panic so. so that's gonna be my new strategy going forward if i have to sign the document like right sign it i think yeah. it'll stop me from making some bad decisions yeah. so, so maybe we can dial the clock back a little bit and someone yeah. create a platform where you actually have to call yeah, someone yeah. Out, sign a paper that will save people a lot of headaches so, yeah 
So, so do you think because we're heading in this direction of like a lot more technology, you don't have to do these papers anymore. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where all money in the world will be on like traded through Ethereum or Bitcoin or something like that? Some kind of cryptocurrency where we'll just kind of get rid of the dollar, like yen, pesos, like all that stuff. Um, I so right now I think the the main issue is scalability for for these um for these methods. So uh, unless that's solved, then I I don't really think it it could. I mean, I would like to and be hopeful that it could replace an entire financial you know system like that. Uh, but I I think the scalability of it might might hold it back at this time. Um, but of course, you you never know what's going to happen in the future. You know what what advances are going to be made um, to those systems. But uh, I guess to add to that, like the way the way we handle money right now, it, it, essentially it's already digital to begin with. So if you look in your wallet, what do you have? You have a bunch of credit cards and and debit cards and things like that. Uh, everything's already digital to begin with. So so we're not too far from adopting something like Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. To completely replace that system, so I, I'm really hopeful for it. Um, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but like I think one of you guys mentioned in a previous episode about El Salvador, right? Like they're already yeah. starting to to kind of turn that into their their main uh, system of finances. So I think it's really cool. I think it, it's just going to take adoption. Like a lot of people and a lot of more countries are going to start adopting it, and I think that's what's really going to push it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the U.S. just said something recently about, like, I think they're going to start looking into it. So it's definitely getting adopted yeah. and more and more. You mentioned earlier how, uh, like, NFTs and crypto kind of like brother and sister, like, they're kind of connected in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, do you see, uh, like, the fact that, I could be wrong on this, but it seems like Ethereum and maybe, like, Solana are, are big in the NFT space. Like, do you think mm -hmm. those types of cryptos will maybe perform better than something like Bitcoin, which is more of a store of value and doesn't have a lot of utility like going forward? Uh, yes, absolutely. So I think um, I read somewhere that you, because Ethereum has a lot more use cases and, and utility, uh, it could be on track to outperform like Bitcoin, like just like just like gold, gold in the US dollar. I can ex I can, I guess, compare that with with Bitcoin and Ethereum. Like, are you going to go out and buy something with a piece of gold? No, you're going to go out and buy something with with the US dollar, right? So that's what I kind of like to compare that to. Um, Ethereum just has way more uses. And um, I guess from a return on investment standpoint, my, my returns on the Ethereum that I bought a couple of years ago is a lot higher than the returns percentage-wise than, than the Bitcoin that I bought uh, around the same time. Um, so I think, I think, I guess to answer your question, like the Ethereum and Solana, or not, not to answer your question, but like to add to it, um, I like to compare Ethereum and Solana to like people who use iPhones or uh, Android. <laughs> it's like it's like no matter That's how true. much gas yeah. prices are, I'll never go to Solana. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or I don't know, it just feels weird. Oh, I'm an iPhone guy. Yeah, he's an iPhone and Ethereum, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Hand hand. Yeah. yeah. I also yeah. own only Ethereum, no Solana. <laughs> yeah, same. yeah. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, I just and I, I actually calculate. I went through all my NFT um, purchases and I calculated my gas fees and I think I've paid a total of three thousand dollars in gas fees on wow. on everything that I've done on NFTs. 
Yeah. Wow. That's so, sad. So one thing, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. one thing, I don't own any NFTs. Actually, I own a couple like NBA Top Shot ones or something that I got like a long time Those ago. Good. That, yeah. <laughs> um, that I haven't even looked at in months. Um, but one thing I've, I don't fully understand is like the gas fees and how they change. Um, do you know, like, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so gas fees, uh, especially on Ethereum, if we're just talking about the Ethereum network, uh, they're pretty much set by the the miners. So right now, there's two different ways of, of um, I guess, verifying blocks on the blockchain for Ethereum. Uh, it's you could stake, and also it's proof of work, and then proof of uh, proof of stake. Uh, they're both kind of going on right now uh, as they work towards. Ethereum 2.0, um, but from the proof of work side, that's when you pay gas fees and things like that. And um, those gas fees are, like I said, they're set by the miners, and they do change um, as as quickly as you know in a couple hours or a couple days or whatever. You know, it's it's constantly changing. And also, what what affects that price is network congestion. So if, for example, a a really hyped up NFT project releases today. Of course, those gas fees, is, it's going to cause what's called gas wars, where everyone's trying to, they're trying to transact on the Ethereum blockchain. So that allows these miners to charge more uh, in gas fees. It's kind of like, you know, supply and demand, except for computing power. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what affects gas fees um, as far as I, as far as. Yeah. So, so you own like the mutant ape, that was probably pretty competitive, right? To get that. So that would have probably been one with higher gas fees, right? No, I actually, I actually didn't buy it um, oh, when okay. it when it minted, uh, and I didn't get it for free for for having oh, okay. a board eight first. I actually bought it on the secondary market, so I just I bought it um, in January for fifteen Ethereum. Nice. Just on just on the secondary market. Nice. What's the uh, floor price for Mutant Ape now? Uh, I believe the floor price right now, especially after the release of the Ape Coin, is um, I think it's like anywhere floating between nineteen and twenty. Let me just check that real quick that's awesome yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty cool but also like i like to yeah it's in that 21 ethereum floor price right now um but i also okay. like to look at the 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 minimum floor price of the rarest trait that's how i value my nfts that's yeah smart. yeah so when you say rarest trait uh i guess do you mean like if it has like a cooler hat yeah so if you if you <laughs> I don't... if you look at it on uh open you could see uh like for example like the hat it belongs to let's say one percent of the entire collection and that's that's a pretty rare trait um as opposed to something that belongs to 13 percent of the whole collection which could be like a, a plain t-shirt or something like that yeah yeah because i don't own any but i can definitely tell which ones i think look cooler <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so um the 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 mutinate yacht club nft that i bought like yeah i, I think it looks all right but i bought it instantly because i found out that two of the traits were less than one percent so oh, um, yes I, I bought it at floor price which is crazy so i, I definitely lucked out on that one yeah so what's your strategy like for nfts um you just find projects you have high conviction in and then you just kind of buy and hold or do you have plans of maybe you know an exit strategy yeah so um so financialism and I are actually coming out with an NFT workshop here pretty soon. And we, we kind of break that down in full detail, but pretty much I look for um, strong community uh, utility. Utility is number one. Like I don't want to just buy something just cause it looks cool, you know, cause then 
because then it's it's not going to do anything for me um, personally. Like it has to represent something more than just a, a JPEG, right? So um, it could represent like a, a ticket to an event. It could represent exclusive access to uh, merch drops, discounts, free merch. I even one of the NFTs I bought, um, it came with free merch and uh, unreleased tracks. It, he was he's a music artist uh, called Invest in Stocks, and uh, he he was given out if you bought his nft he was given out like unreleased tracks from his from his album and airdrops he airdropped us another nft um that also came with unlockable content so it's just cool like it's just the utility part of it i'm really excited about because it represents so much more than just a collection of pictures like CryptoPunks. Uh, crypto crypto punks is you know one of the blue chip collections out there but it, there's no utility um, as opposed to the board eight yacht club yeah yeah that's where i have like a little bit of trouble with nfts like <laughs> i've said it in the past in the podcast that i don't love the nft art but the ones that mm -hmm. have utility i do love um, exactly so, like, I, I don't want to get that confused like i definitely love the ones like that you have with utility you can get passive income you can get merch mm -hmm. you can get free drops all that stuff i think is awesome and i think it's changing so fast like there's so many new things you can do with it like i've never heard of anyone doing the music thing you just mentioned that's really cool so yeah it's awesome the more and more people like do different things with it i can just keep evolving yes yeah, i guess like full disclosure the total i guess dollar value of all the airdrops i've received with nfts is like over 30 32 grand um just in free airdrops wow Crazy. wow that's awesome wow i i gotta go buy that yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, nick our next episode is bees for business buys 100 nfts yeah. all in nfts, <laughs> all in NFTs. <laughs> Go, go to that vending machine and buy buy all the $400 ones. Yeah. <laughs> that, you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. That is still so baffling to me. That's like, crazy. Why, why don't you just buy it on your phone? Why do you need this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's insane. Like, it's just like it, the card got stuck. That's so funny. I'd be so mad. <laughs> yeah, such a process. Go all the way over there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Instead of buying another, you just bump into it. Like, yeah. has you never used a vending machine before? Just bump <laughs> and, it. And, and, and then you get yeah, yeah, exactly. bumping it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did love what you said about the, the music, uh, like how you described that, because I, I think what's so cool about it is it has potential to benefit the person like you who's, who's like buying it and getting it, the NFT, but also the artists. Like, so how exactly. I described is the artist no longer needs a label to promote for them. They can sell NFT cover art for their album and then people will like promote it for mm -hmm. them, like just everyday people, because they want like a portion of the proceeds that comes from every stream or purchase of that song. So I think like all that right. stuff is like so cool to me. I think that's my favorite utility that I've heard from NFTs. And and not only that, um, the creators of those NFT collections, they actually get royalties um, forever. Like as long as they are bought and sold, every single transaction that are made, um, the, there's royalties that go to the original creator, which is awesome. Yeah. So I gotta gotta ask, have you ever considered making your own? Uh, no, there's actually a lot of steps that go into it. I mean, I looked into it one time, but I was like, no, this is insane. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's really tough, uh, to kind of get into it. Um, but no, it, it, then that would require a lot of time, uh, for me to, to kind of put the work in for that. So yeah, I'm sure it definitely takes a yeah. lot of work to draw. Them. Right. Right. I feel like just like, I guess drawing them would be kind of hard. Like if, unless you hired someone to draw them for you and then mm -hmm. like, minting them would be hard but like the utility stuff i think is where it would be hard right right exactly yeah like so, how do you manage it yeah 
So, so we got a couple more questions for you. Sure. Um, one is, what is your favorite book if you like to read? Um, so I, I don't really read, but I do like to listen. So I listen to audiobooks, and um, I also like to watch YouTube videos that summarize certain books. Um, I, I really like doing that because I, I was never a really big book reader when I was young. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I do one of those things where I have to read the paragraph like over and over again because my, my <laughs> mind is just not absorbing it. <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I'm the same yeah. way. I, but yeah. Yeah, you got to uh, still find some great content, like you said, through YouTube, just watching educational videos. There's so much oh, yeah. going on there. YouTube University. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like you can learn so much on the internet nowadays. We're living in a day and age where information's everywhere. So there's mm -hmm. so many different ways to get it. Right. Um, yeah, you can get like a four-year degree in finance just from listening to podcasts, YouTube, all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. I guess to, to answer your question, like I really, I have to say, you know, Rich Dad Porter, I have to bring that up because yeah. Yeah. that one really spoke to me. You know, he's Asian American growing up, so am I, and you know, that I I had the poor dad, right? Uh, you know, work work hard, go to school, get good grades buy a house, work until you die kind of thing. Um, that yeah. was kind of the American dream. And I, I don't, I don't hold it against my parents, you know, it's just kind of, they, they came from Vietnam and that's just kind of what they were taught as soon as they, they landed in California and they try to teach us that um, the millionaire next door, uh, intelligent yeah, investor. Uh, what else? I, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. I, I love that because he kind of takes a, a, a more fresh approach to the typical, you know, cut your expenses. Don't ever buy anything. I, I don't like that approach. I don't tell anybody about that. Uh, you know, like if, if a cup of coffee, you know, $6, whatever cup of coffee brings you joy, like genuine joy, then I don't, I don't see why you should cut that out. Um, yeah. Unless you're in like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars of consumer debt, then yeah, maybe you should probably rethink that. But at the same time, you should be increasing your income. Like that's, that's what's really going to tip the needle. And that's kind of what we did. Um, in our younger years, uh, my wife and I. Um, so I really love I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Um, and then also the four-hour work week. I, I really love the concept of that. And that's kind of what I'm living right now. You know, if I wanted to, I, I could only just put in a couple hours worth of work. You know, putting out fires and then just coasting. I really like that. There's a lot of books out there on money that is just absolutely amazing. Uh, and I yeah. just listen to them. Yeah, those are all great books. I think I've read all those except for the, I think you said I teach you to be rich and I definitely want yeah. to check that one because that's yeah, kind that's of the mindset I take as well. And I think that one would be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Nick, you got to really push Tyler. I've been pushing him forever to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and he is not ready yet. Yeah, so that's oh, I, I just, just listened one, to one book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm past that point. I've read, you know, a bunch of other books, Atomic, Hab Atomic Habits, Called You Money. But when I see Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I just see Robert Kiyosaki's face on the cover. And it's <laughs> almost like, it seems a little cheesy to me just... But I know it is a good book. Everyone it, seems to really love it. And there's good value in there. Yeah. So I'll do it at some point. <laughs> you have to. It's like, yeah. yeah. Because everyone says that's their favorite book. So. Or just get like key points. Like I just listened to the key points. Yeah. I, I kind of, there's a lot of fluff in there, like his childhood stories and stuff like that. Right. But the, the yeah. key points are really, really good. And it's like a yeah. mindset thing. Yeah. And I know some people debate, does the rich dad and poor dad really exist? Or do you just need them? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, hey, he's oh, hustling really? though. <laughs> that not confirmed like is, is it possible that the that like actually never happened yeah it's possible yeah i guess i never really thought no, about no. that just figured he was telling the truth <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah i don't know but yeah i think it's interesting how you said like your parents were kind of like the poor dad like our parents mm -hmm. were for mm -hmm. the most part kind of the same thing and like yeah you can't hold it against them that's just how things were and how things are still for most people these days so um 
yeah, it's great to like have someone in your life or just like get this knowledge so you can get out of that. Yeah. Exactly. I know one key thing from that book everyone usually says is, you know, the purpose of like um, owning a business is to use that to buy real estate. And I know Robert Kiyosaki always says that as well, like own a business to get cash to buy real estate. And oh yeah, so we're we're almost an hour here, so uh, we should probably wrap up. Um, definitely one more question you want to ask, just in general. You know, what do you uh, like to enjoy? Uh, how do you spend your free time? Oh yeah, so uh, my free time which I have a lot of now, <laughs> not, just, like, not, not to brag about it, but uh, <laughs> I, I like, I like, yeah, yeah. I like playing games of like, I, I've been playing a lot of um, Call of Duty lately with my friends uh, back home. Um, but also it sounds corny, but I, I, I love investing. So I feel like investing is a part of my hobby now. So I'm always buying new investments. Like um, I forgot to talk about this, but earlier with my different investments, I have alternative investments, alternative asset classes in, Pokemon cards. So I, I, I bought like thousands of dollars worth of sealed and graded Pokemon cards to kind of like, like a store value that's completely disconnected from the economy. So I really like that, that, uh, cool. that aspect of it. Um, so I buy a lot of like undervalued cards and kind of just hold on to it for as long as possible, especially ones that have like low supply, low population um, graded cards. But yeah, so um, aside from that, I, I love to spend time with my family. We're in Tokyo. So um, we've budgeted, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars a month now towards vacation. So like we force ourselves to take vacations every month now, um, domestically. And I, I believe they're starting to open up the borders to people too. So hopefully like people come visit or whatever. So yeah, just, just spending time with my family, playing games and looking for the next investment that those are my hobbies, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. It's cool that you have like alternative investments, like tangible assets, like, you know, physical cards. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, do you, do you ever like day trade at all or anything like that or no, no, I, n I never, I never got yeah. into that. Uh, luckily, and and I, I like, yeah, no, I like looking that, at, uh, <laughs> I like looking at the the lost, um, porn on, on Reddit. Reddit? <laughs> yeah, that's so it's, it's honestly, painful, it's funny but sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, it's so painful. Yeah, none of us day trade either, but you know, I know some people do, and they they can do really well, but a lot of people just really don't do well yeah. on it it's kind of scary i don't day trade but i have tried <laughs> it did not go well. <laughs> yeah i like that you mentioned the pokemon cards too like the alternative alternative investments because i think like so much of the investments that people do like real estate stocks crypto whatever is a lot of it's kind of like standard investments whereas the alternative ones can almost be like kind of fun like it'd yeah. be fun to collect pokemon cards or or cool bottles of wine or something like that. Like those mm -hmm. alternative kind of like sports memorabilia, things like that would just be kind of like fun to collect. And at the same time, it's also an investment. So I think all that stuff's really cool. Exactly. And it, and it's like nostalgic too. And, and it's just fun. Like the whole bidding process is just fun and it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. All right. We're going a little long here, so we'll wrap it up. Uh, it was great to talk to you, Nick. I feel like we could have talked to you for another hour. Uh, could have just kept going on. Um, love talking to you. We'll have to have you back on sometime. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's always fun listening to you guys on on uh, your regular episodes and stuff. So I'm, I'm glad to be part of it now. Yeah. Let everyone know where they can find out a little bit more about you, your Instagram. Give yourself a plug. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle, which is at new money, N-U-M-O-N-E-Y underscore Nick, N-I-Q. So at new money underscore Nick. Awesome. awesome. Everyone check out Nick on Instagram. Thanks for listening to the BS for Business podcast today. Hope you have a great week. Follow us as well on Instagram and Twitter at BS for Business.